1: everybody, this is Evan Lazar, and you are listening to the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by the CLNS Media Podcast Network, and I am joined, as always, in my, with my partner in crime, Alex Barth from 98.5. Alex, another week, another quarterback carousel rumor, or rumors, I should say. Yeah. Sounds to me like the Philadelphia Eagles asking price for Carson Wentz is so astronomical at the moment that it's holding up that entire trade negotiation. So that domino hasn't fallen yet. We're also hearing some things out of the Las Vegas Raiders that both Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota can probably be had for the right price, although it sounds like the Raiders are sort of leaning more towards trading Mariota than Carr if they can. But where do you stand on those Vegas quarterbacks? And I think we've talked a lot about Derek Carr. So Mariota in particular, uh, you know me. I, I love me some Mariota.
0: Yeah, I just – I'm not giving up anything of quality for those guys. I'm not going to hit that asking price because – the worst thing you can be in the NFL is seven and nine without a quarterback, right? And that's where the Patriots are right now. But you can actually, I, so I've been saying that, that seven and nine without a quarterback. And I've been saying that well before the Patriots got in the spot. I've been saying that for years. The only thing that's worse than that is to be seven and nine in the NFL without a quarterback and without a first round pick. And it's like, I get it. I know you're into Mariota. There's, there's things people see in car. Obviously we know. If you manage to fix Wentz, whatever team trades for him, we know what the upside is. You potentially get an MVP caliber quarterback. But the flip side of that is there's a reason these guys are available. And it's because they haven't been effective in, in recent years or in some cases ever in their careers. And their reputation at this point is just based off of hype. So if you make that move and it doesn't pan out, which quarterback is difficult with any of these guys, the likelihood is the move doesn't pan out, whether it's carr, whether it's Mariota, whether it's Wentz, the likelihood is you're getting the same guy that you saw in 2020, right? Or for Mariota back with the Titans, because he really didn't play in 2020. Do you want to give up a first round pick and put yourself in that situation where then you're paying this guy a ton of money, you don't have the draft capital to get his replacement, you don't have the the salary cap to go back and get him help if he's if and when he struggles. I just I can't get fired up about it. And then, yes, you have the Watsons, and I don't know what this Russell Wilson thing is. Yeah, that just, get to that the, just get to sounds the like it. somebody twisting some words and getting creative to get in on the, the quarterback smoke. But, you know, the Dak Prescott's, I've said it a number of times on the show, if Dak Prescott's out there, I give him a blank check. But right. the guys that we're realistically talking about, Wentz, Carr, Mariota, if you want to put Garoppolo in there, if you want to put Kirk Cousins in there, there's a reason these guys are available, okay? And I'm just, look, would I trade a second-round pick for Marcus Mariota? Yeah, you, you can talk to me about that. I think now we're in—we're having a conversation. Am I going to give up one first, let alone two for Mariota, Carr, Wentz? No, I'm not. Because you're just going to end up stepping backwards. You think you're getting creative. You think you're getting this veteran quarterback you can fix. Quality veteran quarterbacks don't become available. How many times have I said this? There's one guy in the last ten years who truly became available, and it's the one the Patriots let go. Who was like actually a quality quarterback. Watson maybe, but he might not even be available. Cause supposedly Houston doesn't want to trade him, which good for them. So yeah, I can't, I can't get excited about it. I can't. I don't get how anybody can. You're going to get excited to give up two years worth of draft capital for a guy that got beat out by Ryan Tannehill in a very simple offense in Tennessee.
1: Well, that, that's, where's
0: the jazz there?
1: That, that's the question though is, Right now, we're we're so early on in this process that everybody is asking for the moon, right? The the Eagles are expecting to get a Matthew Stafford-like return for Carson Wentz, and most teams are hearing that call, and you're hearing a dial tone real fast, right? Just saying, absolutely not. This is absurd. That's definitely not going to happen for Carson Wentz based off of what we saw last year, based off of the contract. So right now, teams like the Raiders, teams like the Eagles – We're asking for the moon for their quarterback. So the question is, is can a team like the Patriots who are never desperate and never jump at the first move and never are over aggressive necessarily in the market slow play this to the point where maybe come, you get into free agency a little bit, maybe you get into the draft a little bit and we're opening day two and the Patriots end up flipping one of their second or third round picks for Marcus Mariota because the Raiders are all in on Derek Carr? They drafted a wide receiver again, or whatever. I don't, I don't know exactly what the formula would be, but all I'm getting at is that that price could easily come down, and and I think you have to wait it out to a point where maybe that price will come down. And and I just want to mention why I like Mariota a little bit for the Pats. And I, it, first off, it's kind of is similar to that Ryan Tannehill situation with Tennessee where you get the former top 10 pick that didn't really work out with his first team and then you hope to tap into that potential and tap into that talent and those types of guys don't grow on trees they don't come available every single day it's hard to get them in the draft obviously and the Patriots know at 15 they're going to struggle to move up to get a guy like that in the draft and Mariota's skill set is a very, very good passer, accurate passer when he was at his best within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage, especially between the numbers. This was a guy that threw with good anticipation, good accuracy, good touch to the middle of the field. And then on top of all of those elements, was extremely mobile and is extremely mobile. And we saw in that one game that he played for the Raiders at the end of last season that he can still run and he can still be effective with his legs. So you have that element of that middle of the field passing and in a lot of ways, I would say as a passer, just strictly from an arm talent standpoint and just a cerebral standpoint, he throws the ball and and acts a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo in that sense, but he can move. And that's something that I think is really intriguing. The Patriots already dipped into that with Cam Newton a little bit. Who I wouldn't, by the way, sleep on coming back either. But with Mariota, I, I think that you have that sort of double... Edged potential of, okay, you can run some of the package stuff that you did with Cam Newton, some of the quarterback design runs, some of the read option plays, but more so you have a more accurate and consistent throw over the football where you like to attack the defense Because the Patriots are not a team that wants to stress outside the numbers throws down the field. You know, that that's not their offense. So I think Mariota can thrive in their offense and can run around a little bit and and use his legs too. So that is an intriguing quality. And really with the Tennessee Titans, it was his confidence that waned, right? This is a guy that was the second overall pick in the draft. The team brings in Ryan Tannehill, another top ten pick. And we saw it even in the start of camp when we were all down there for Titans-Patriots joint practices that that offseason, that season going in, they were very, very close. And at times it definitely looked like Ryan Tannehill was the better quarterback down there that week of practice. And a lot of it was confidence, pocket poise, ability to kind of just hold the ball uh, behind his offensive line. And this was in practice when he's wearing the red non-contact jersey, right? So that that was the alarming thing about Mariota is that he was shying away from pressure and kind of not confident in the pocket and sort of had happy feet in the pocket, even when nobody was going to hit him. And that definitely came to fruition in the game itself. What's the asking price? What's the deal that gets it done? I think a second-round pick is as rich as it could possibly get. Maybe the Patriots could get him for – now, they would never do this because we've talked about this before, that they're not going to trade that Brady pick and make one player into the Brady pick because of the pressure on it, but maybe they could use one of their compensatory picks – in the draft that they're going to get from Brady and Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins, which is basically just a free draft pick because of the losses in free agency to move for Mariota. And I don't think if you make that move, he's the only move that you make. I think that's one move that you make and maybe you get a young guy in here as well to kind of stack on top of him and hopefully out of those two players you come out of camp with a solid starting quarterback.
0: Yeah, I just I I, I don't know because okay, first off you're basically, and you just admitted Mariota didn't look good at, in those practices. You saw him, and he didn't look good in the last couple of years in Tennessee. You're basically saying you're willing to ignore all of that for half of one game as a backup last season,
1: and I. You know, it's not just, it's not just what he was doing at last year with the Raiders as a backup. I think a lot of it also is the fact that for the first couple of seasons, no, he was not this down, dynamic downfield thrower that created a ton of big plays, but he was an accurate passer. And, and then the metrics kind of shake that out that he was an above average accurate passer in terms of what he was doing down the field. and And like I mentioned, his sweet spot is right between the numbers on those, between the numbers, anticipatory, accurate type of throws that the Patriots like to run, the seams, the crossers, uh, the different style of option routes that maybe you want to run inside the formation. Those are all things that Mariota did really comfortably for the Titans for multiple seasons of starting there. He just didn't have that dynamic arm talent where he was making those wow plays down the field like a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers or something like that.
0: But again, the last couple of years, and you mentioned that he kind of lost that confidence with Ryan Tannehill behind him. So if the Patriots take a quarterback in the first round, is he suddenly going to be okay with that? Or does he have the mental fortitude to be on a roster and be the starter when there's somebody breathing down his neck, when he's not the unquestioned starter? Does he have what it takes for that? And by the way, he struggled with that in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. That's not New England. We saw the conversation last year around Cam and Stidham, especially, especially when we got to November. What happens when he throws two picks? And all of a sudden, he has to hear about Bill being asked, are, are we going to Mac Jones? Are we going to Trey Lance? Like, wait, is, is Marcus Mariota your starter? Is he going to be able to handle that? Because if he couldn't do it in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, who, by the way, at the time was a joke. Let's not forget that. He's a
1: reclamation a project. He's seventh-round pick for Ryan Tannehill. Part of right. that was the contract was so bad, but yes. So – how If he couldn't handle that, how is he going to handle
0: having Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields behind him in New England? I don't right. think so. And, again, if, if if he doesn't, and if you trade for him and you know you can't bring any real competition in, well, then Marcus Mariota is your starter. And the, the most recent large-scale body of work, which is his last season and a half in Tennessee, wasn't good. So you're giving up a quality draft pick. You're pushing your search for long-term quarterback down the road, all for a guy who, in a game where it's "What have you done for me lately?" lately has not been very good. I just I can't get excited about it. If they,
1: if it's the, I blame you for not getting excited about it. I think the upside of the move is that Ryan Tannehill formula, though, right? That's but but that's again. Every if you want to talk about upside,
0: then we should be talking about Wentz because there's the upside. If you want to make this kind of move, you need to to trade for Carson Wentz.
1: How much are you going to have to give up for him, though? And you and have to weigh that value, right? Is it is Carson Wentz that much better than Marcus Mariota? But I think broad, absolutely,
0: it is is worth it. If we're talking about raw upside, then yes, Carson. Like like I think Marcus Mariota's upside is he's the tenth to fifteenth best quarterback in the league. He's a serviceable right. starter. Carson Wentz's upside is an MVP. Yeah, you or, we know uh, that. Yeah. He's done it. We've seen him do it. And the other thing you talked about just to go back a little bit in terms of the the Patriots waiting for the prices to come down, you can bet at least one NFL team is going to be stupid. We always talk about waiting for this guy to fall in the draft or waiting for the value to come down on this or will this player actually fetch this or whatever. Somebody's always – there's going to be a GM out there whose job is on the line, who desperately needs a quarterback and needs to do something explosive, needs some fireworks, and is going to overpay for one of these guys. And then
1: For Carson Wentz. And the Colts and the Bears are the two front runners for him right now, and they yeah. both make sense. You know, systems that both make sense for him. Obviously, Frank Reich is in Indianapolis, his former quarterback's coach, and neither one of those teams, not even Frank Reich, who knows Carson Wentz, can how well he can play in the right environment in 2017 when he almost won the MVP. Not even Frank Reich is biting on a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. But it's or, a game a of chicken. Package.
0: But it's a game of chicken. The Eagles don't have to trade him. So, you know – Push comes to shove, like nobody's biting on that first-round pick right now. But that's how the stuff works. The price, yeah. the price might not go down. It's just a game of chicken.
1: What about uh, these these Russell Wilson rumors? And yeah, I didn't spend too much time on it because it's pie in the sky type of stuff. I think the main thing is is that this is Russell Wilson going through the media and telling the Seattle Seahawks, that offensive line has to be a priority for this team in the draft because that's what Jason Locke and his report said was that Russell Wilson's camp is unhappy with the fact that the Seahawks haven't been able to protect Russell Wilson better. Now, I do want to mention this with Russell Wilson. He has the second longest time to throw in the NFL, and he is a scrambling quarterback. Ask Deshaun Watson. It's the same thing, right? You know, those types of guys, they do bring on pressure. You know, they, they are hard to block for in pass protection, and they are guys that invite pressure a little bit. So if you're going to be that type of quarterback and you're not going to throw in rhythm and on time often and you're going to try to play playground ball and move around in the pocket and do all the things that make Russell Wilson the mag- magician, you have to live with the fact that sometimes you're going to get hit. Playing like that, so I think, on one hand, the Seattle Seahawks can definitely upgrade their offensive line and have struggled for the most part in making that a good line for Russell Wilson, but it's also his style of play that leads to some of those opportunities for other teams to get after him I, I, I think that this is mostly just Russell Wilson through the media, using the media as a way to say to Seattle, hey, you know, you guys need to get me some help on the offensive line next year, or unless I am going to be unhappy. But I, I think we're very, very far away from a divorce here. And it's
0: kind of a no-brainer, right? They have a pretty solid roster all the way around, right? They've got good receivers. They've got a pretty solid defense, you know, offensive line kind of, and they don't have a first-round pick, right, because they traded for Jamal Adams, but... Offensive lines are a no-brainer. It's where they should spend. It's where they should be in the draft. I just, again, if we're going to go down that road, and it's Watson, it's Rodgers, now Wilson, I'm going to keep banging the table for Dak Prescott. Did you see the Cowboys left him out of their promotional video for the 2021 season? There's, no, there's no mention of him in there. He again, he is a free agent. Everybody keeps saying they're going to make it happen, or they wouldn't be dumb enough to let a quarterback go. This is Jerry Jones. He is an unpredictable lunatic. Okay, do not sleep on Dak Prescott. And maybe, maybe it's not free agency. Maybe they tag him. He holds out. He demands a trade. Like maybe that's the path. Maybe it's not as simple as signing him. But the one don't, right don't they have a top ten pick? Right, that be the it's a conversation for Trey Lance. If they look at Trey Lance and think he can beat Dak Prescott in two or three years, it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade to, to keep Dak Prescott if they're having this much trouble with the contract. Do not sleep on Dak Prescott. I'm going to keep saying it because if if this is the conversation you want to have, we're talking about Watson. He has the no trade clause. He's not coming here. Okay? That one's off the table. Rogers isn't going anywhere. Wilson, at least this offseason, isn't going anywhere. If you want to go that, you know, yeah, let's really take the swing, that you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. If that's what you want to do, then we're talking about Dak Prescott. That's the guy in that category.
1: I, I can't argue with anything that you said. I mean, it still so, uh, would be blasphemy for me to see. A 25-year-old franchise quarterback that doesn't seem too unhappy. Maybe the contract negotiations aren't going too well, but I don't think Dak Prescott's unhappy with the situation that the Cowboys have put him in in his career, right? Great offensive talent right. around him. Yeah, he hasn't had the postseason success, but he's certainly had the opportunities to be a really good quarterback there in Dallas, and I, I don't think that he's necessarily unhappy with the fact of what they've done for him in terms of team building. Maybe Maybe he's unhappy with them in terms of contract, but basically what I'm getting at is this is not a Deshaun Watson situation where he wants out. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: It could get – they a- franchise him, especially coming off of that ankle injury, I could totally see him saying, no, screw it. I want the long-term deal. If you're not going to give it to me, find somebody You will. Right. I can totally see that.
1: Right, and I, I think the, the thing that you got to look at with Dak is, is – that franchise tag deadline, which is usually sometime right before free agency in March, that's going to be a big date. If they don't tag him again, and there is a chance, uh, an even better chance, obviously, at that point, that he's going to hit the open market and that he's going to be a free agent. And we're going to talk about in a second a quarterback named Tom Brady, who we thought there was no chance he could play for another team, and here we are. And I think that we have gone throughout the course of NFL history. There are a lot of instances, not necessarily a a Dak-like situation, where he's truly in his prime. I think maybe Drew Brees is, is kind of the only recent example of a quarterback to move in the prime of his career. And, and Drew Brees similarly had that shoulder injury that he was coming off of, just like Dak has this ankle injury that he's coming off of. I think it's a dream scenario. I think that it's a very slim chance of happening, but crazier things have happened in terms of maybe not Dak Prescott coming to New England, but Dak Prescott becoming available and moving this offseason from Dallas to another team. Crazier. Whoa certainly have
0: if he does isn't new england the most logical landing spot let's say he becomes a free agent
1: well, the question is is does dak prescott want to come to the patriots we've had this conversation before well
0: here's the thing
1: you're gonna pay dak prescott 35 million dollars a year like how, how are you adding the amari Cooper still, Gallup and the Michael still
0: 25 million in cap that first round pick becomes expendable you know, maybe you move Gilmore, and on top of that, it's an offense he's going to be able to succeed in. Like, how many? I'm I'm not necessarily saying he'd be thrilled ending up in New England, but look at the other quarterback needy teams. Yeah, where 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 does he fit better than New England? San Francisco is probably a better schematic fit, and they have better weapons for him, but they can't pay him like the Patriots can. Yeah, that's not going to
1: happen. The Patriots can give him that blank check and. uh I, I, there's going to be a lot of Russell Wilson rumors, but I do agree with you that Dak Prescott is sort of the sneaky one that we probably should, if, if we're going to go there. Right? If we're right going that, to-
0: I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen. We did like the Wentz thing before, where I'm saying right. we needed to talk about Wentz. That's if you want to talk about that category of quarterback, it's Wentz. If you want to talk about this category of quarterback, it's Dak. I'm not saying either is going to happen, and I don't want the Wentz one to happen. But this is if like if we're going to be nuts, let's at least be nuts within a, a, a scope of reality.
1: Fair enough. All right. Let, let's shout out our sponsors, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props, almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered For all the news, scores, and odds, the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit out on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. That is CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. And now it is the time of the show where we talk about Tom Brady and Tom Terrific, and all seven in the Super Bowls, and Alex and I are going to sit down, and we are going to rank all seven of Tom Brady's Super Bowl victories. But before we do, I want to give our takes on the game itself, Super Bowl 55, the most recent one. And Alex, we talked about all season long, both on and off the air, about how at some point Bruce Arians might mess this up for Tom Brady. And in that game, Against Kansas City Chiefs. That was one hell of a coaching performance on both Uh, sides of the ball. uh, uh. Both sides of the ball, Alex. Schematically, game plan wise, a superb, superb effort, especially by Todd Bowles in that defense. Todd Bowles, excellent. Byron Leftwich, excellent.
0: But here is what I am going to remind people every time we talk about Super Bowl 55. Because Bruce Arians was not good in this game. And he tried to give it away. He tried his best. He tried his darndest. 113 left in the game. And it's still close at this point. 21 to six and Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. So that, that's nothing. 113 team left in the game. One time out there at about the 40 yard line. They had about 60 yards to go. The Bucs did. That's light work for Tom Brady. Okay. Bruce Arians, they, they call a run. They call a run and then they're standing around. They're ready to go to the half. They are ready to go into the half of 21 to six against the most electric quarterback in football. Now Andy Reid. His, his bad clock management skills coming back, he calls a timeout. He decides he wants to give Tom Brady the chance, which I think is an equally bad decision. But Andy Reid lost the game, so he'll fairly be criticized for this. Anyway, so they they get two extra timeouts there because there's one on third down. Bucks drive down the field. They get to somewhere like inside the 15-yard line. I don't remember the exact spot. 13 seconds left, no timeouts. Bruce Arians wants a field goal we will go up 24-6 on Mahomes. You can beat Mahomes with field goals. The Bills didn't lose because of a decision just like this or anything. Not at all. And Brady pushes them back. You saw the shot. Pushes him yeah. back to the sideline. Gets Bruce Arians a touchdown. And that, maybe not in the moment, but when you look back on it with context, that was it. That was, I mean, the Chiefs snapped. That was when Tyron Matthew kind of flew off the handle, and they come out of the locker room flat, and that was a backbreaker. And I don't want anybody to ever forget, Bruce Arians, with Tom Brady to as his quarterback, and the two-minute drill in the Super Bowl, with Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline, Bruce Arians wanted halftime. Brutal. Yeah. Absolutely. If they had lost that game, if they had lost that game,
1: I Had to die out in the
0: That would have been the moment. And we would have been talking about how Bruce Arians, as he's done all year, attempted to waste Tom Brady. Brady, is. they did not win games this year. They did not win the Super Bowl because of Bruce Arians. They won it in spite of Bruce Arians. He did everything he could this year to hold that team back. He finally realized in November to take a back seat, let Tom Brady be the coach, and Brady carried them.
1: Okay, but in Bull, Bruce Arians defense, in Bruce Arians' defense, I'm not talking about his clock management here, I think that going into this game, the Bruce Arians of old would have demanded that they try to throw the ball down the field, right? Demanded that they were in the same offense that got them there, throw bombs away, Tom Brady leading the league in deep passing attempts, leading the league in air yards per attempt. That was the, that was the game plan that we would get if Tom Brady wasn't the quarterback and didn't stand up with him along with Byron Lefwich probably and said, Bruce, look, we're going up against Spagnola. This guy's gone against Brady in the past. He likes to blitz Brady. He likes to bring pressure at Brady. We can't seven step drop and wait for Mike Evans to get 40 yards downfield to throw the bombs, right? We got to get the ball out of Tom's hands. And they completely changed their game plan offensively. Brady's air yards per attempt in this game was 6.1. It was 9.4, or 9.2, excuse me, throughout the season. So a three-yard difference there in the Super Bowl versus what it was in the first 19 games of the year. They went 42% under center play action, something they hardly did at, I think, about a 20% clip during the regular season. So what they did in this game was they harkened back to Tom Brady's Patriot days, and they ran a Patriot offense in the Super Bowl. So you have to give Arian some credit for taking the step back and recognizing the best way to win and being a game plan coach because I wouldn't necessarily say that was his mantra coming into the game. And similarly with Todd Bowles, They ran a completely different defense than what Todd Bowles has run his entire NFL career. They didn't blitz. They played a lot of dime. They played two deep shells 80% of the time. This was not typical Todd Bowles, right? This was a much different style that they went out about and went out. They played it like Bill Belichick would have played it. They drew up a game plan, and they took the two weeks that they had to prepare to prepare to change themselves, and shift their identity to best beat the Kansas City Chiefs. If they had gone into that game and tried to air it out against Kansas City, they still would have lost. I don't care what Patrick Mahomes looked like. They would have lost that game. They didn't do that. They ball control, possession on offense, move the sticks, You know the the efficient passing game that we're so used to seeing with Brady attack the middle of the field, crossing routes off play action. Those were all the types of things that we saw from this Tampa Bay team, and I do give them credit for not being stubborn and recognizing that they were not going to win this game playing the way that they had played all year long, that they were going to have to do something different. And I get what you're saying with the clock management stuff. Andy Reid outdid Bruce Arians in that category and kind of bailed them out.
0: That play, in theory, should have cost them the game. Against the Kansas City Chiefs, it's the exact same thing the Bills did. They 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 played way too casual, way too safe. If the best thing, and again, I said it before I went on that whole rant. Left which was excellent, Todd Bowles should have been Super Bowl MVP. Yes. We need to talk about being able to make coaches Super Bowl MVP. We really do. If the best thing Bruce Arians did for the Bucks was get out of the way, what does that say about him as a coach? That that's my whole point. If the it's, best it's, thing he did. If his biggest contribution was to get out of the way,
1: it's not here or there though, because you know, it's in some degree when you have Tom Brady as your quarterback and Todd Bowles, who is a former NFL head coach, running your defense. Like this is not some guy. This is not Steve Belichick running the defense, right? This is somebody right. that that has run his own NFL team before. Then yeah, you kind of let him, and that was why he hired Todd Bowles, as Bruce Arians has said. I'm an offensive guy. I know offense. You know defense. You run the defense. I run the offense, right? It's Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells, right? right? I guess
0: what I'm, what I'm saying is we, there was only one time really that Bruce Arians tried to put his fingerprints on that game and it was the closest the Buccaneers came to losing it. Yeah. That's my point. That was the old, the, the one aspect where Bruce Arians had to make a decision. It wasn't the coordinators. It wasn't Brady. It was up to Bruce. He almost cost him the game. And then the second time, Brady stepped in and said, no, sit down, old man. I know what I'm doing. You don't. Let me decide. I've won seven Super Bowls. You barely got here with five first overall picks. Let me let me take the reins. You go sit down, you go try on some hats. I'm gonna win us the Super Bowl. You can come up on the podium after. That was the deal. Because that was I the, realized, the
1: championship game too, though. Remember they went to Brady before they went to Arians in the on the postgame podium at in the NFC championship game. Right, because you
0: normally talk to the coach before the quarterback.
1: Right. This is the Brady's team. And and the other thing I did want to talk about before we start making these Super Bowls is the maturation of Patrick Mahomes, because this has got to be, for the Kansas City Chiefs, a big-time learning experience for them. It's the only way that they come out of this the other side not looking like Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and all these other quarterbacks that have won one early on and never gotten back. Russell Wilson, I think, you can put in that category, too. Absolutely. And and it's the maturation of the fact that you have to have something else to go to as an offense. You can't just be – a deep passing attack just because you have Mahomes and Tyree Kill. I get it. But they were – this was the 07 Patriots, right? This was Randy Moss over the top, Wes Welker in the middle of the field, and that's all they got, right? And this was Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field, Tyree Kill over the top, and that's all they got in Kansas City. So I'm really fascinated to see what's the maturation of Mahomes, what's the next step. And I I get it. I get he was under pressure a, a, a ton. A ton, and, and and that was definitely the deciding factor of the game when Kansas City had the ball. But they tried moving the pocket, they tried to throw some screens, but that short, efficient, quick passing game is not there right now for Kansas City. They don't have they don't have it in their bag, and they don't have a great running game in their bag either. So they need to find a way to evolve because they're even though they might be able to blow doors off of every single team in the regular season with this offense, and it's not going to matter. They're going to go 13 and three next year, 12 and four just by showing up, right? But when they get into these postseason games where you got teams specifically game planning for what you do and you're going up against really talented defenses with great coaching, that's when you need to have, you need to be able to play lefty, right? You need to be able to have right. something else in your bag. And right now this Kansas City Chiefs team is quite frankly one dimensional and it's basically just Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey doing something, pulling something out of their hat, making something happen. And if that's all you can do as a team, you go up against a really good defense like the Bucks. they can stop you, and they will slow you down.
0: I guess, you know, everybody wanted to compare Mahomes to Brady going into that Super Bowl, and his real comparisons are – Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. And that could end up being no, no, the yeah, one and done
1: he's early on. Yeah.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. Guys who will flirt with the MVP more often than not. They'll get on runs to the conference champion, all that. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, Mahomes gets back and wins another one, but the roster is going to change here. They're over that, that honeymoon period where yeah. they're barely paying him anything. The, yeah. the $500 million contract's going to kick in and it's going to get a lot more difficult. And, You know, they're the team now where you're going to get the opponent's best game every time. The other thing I want to see, and it kind of goes to what you said, I don't think Tom Brady became Tom Brady until he lost the Super Bowl. And he was always a competitor. Like, he was always, we know the stories early on in camp, he was always a very fiery competitor. But I don't think that final switch got flipped until he lost in 07, maybe in 2011. Was it, it took for that. That's when he became, he went from just being a competitive guy to like this maniacal, you know, that's from when, when he went from wanting to beat people. Like Tom Brady used to just want to beat you. Now he wants to, he, he's not okay beating teams. He has to beat you so bad that you never want to play the game of football again. That you want to go home, curl up in a ball and stay in bed for a year. Like that's, that's the only outcome that's acceptable to him. I don't know that Patrick Mahomes is there yet. Right? Have we ever seen him jawing with the defender like Brady did with, with Tyron Man? <laughs> they're going into the half. we
1: to see that though, right? Is, is, cause this could go one of two ways, you right. know.
0: So, so that's what I'm saying is I want to see, do they become the 2014 Seahawks? Do they become the, the, that Atlanta Falcons team, right? This is an extreme example. Do they become the 2017 Jaguars? This is the first time the Chiefs have really gotten punched in the mouth with this core. And I know they lost in 2018. But that wasn't like this. How do the Chiefs respond to getting punched in the mouth? Do they turtle and, uh we had our moment. It was nice. We got knocked off our block. Or does Mahomes just – does it take him to another level, right? And we'll see how they respond. We'll see what happens. They've already looked a little soft. Tyron Matthew tweeting that out after the game is soft. Are they going to embrace him? He is really
1: the one. He did not want to battle with those Tampa Bay defenders. That's what. That's the game plan on Travis Kelsey. He still had over 100 yards in the game. So I'm saying this, like you know, they they, quite
0: 100 yards though.
1: Quite 100 100 yards. yards. And if you punch Travis Kelsey in the mouth, figuratively on the football field, of course, he is somebody that will kind of turn check out. He will. He will. We. I think we talked about it before the game. You know, that that, that's sort of what the Patriots have always done against him. I'm really. I think this is a fascinating time for the Kansas City Chiefs because you're right. They were a front-running team. Nobody had beaten them. Nobody had come close, really, to beating them. I and mean, the Niners came close, but they, ultimately they won out. You know, this is their first true test of adversity, I would say, because I think in 2018 in the AFC title game against the Patriots, they were maybe that was the year before, right? You know, that, that right. was,
0: they they knew that the, the defense still wasn't good yet, right? Um, they, their running game wasn't there. Mahomes um, was still and learning. Defense, that yeah. that was them said that that was them kind of knowing. All right, we can go toe to toe with Tom Brady and all of that. Now they just got totally knocked off the block. So I want to see the Chiefs as a whole, yes, and will they embrace the Travis Kelsey mentality and think, "Oh, we got ours, let's go away." I want to see what happens specifically with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you know, me too. how many more? And not to say that Brady never did commercials or anything like that, but you know, he's he, he's getting surgery today on that turf toe and all of that. Does he get right back in the lab? What's his mentality next offseason? Where is the right the the quote from Tom versus time? I'm literally sacrificing everything to be better than you. So what are you sacrificing to be better than me? That right now is a direct challenge to Patrick Mahomes. How much are you going to sacrifice? Are you going to go do stupid, dumbass TikTok videos with your brother? Right. Or are you going to go out and get an extra hundred, 150 passes in? And, 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 you and are you going
1: to change up your style enough? Like obviously he's Patrick Mahomes. And he's right. What, right what, are gonna, what are you going to, what are you going to add to the bag? Well, what are you going to add to the, the toolbox? The, the, the 15 step drop. That that costs them a lot in this game. Now I know the pressure was awful, and I'm not trying to throw Patrick Mahomes under the bus necessarily. But when you're We're under any favors, right? When you're under that kind of pressure, and your your defense mechanism for that kind of pressure is to drop back 20 yards, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and try to throw the ball down the field. That's not necessarily the way. The way is probably to go to a three-step drop and get the ball out as quickly as possible. Can he evolve his game to that point? Well, I'll, I'll just – I'll add uh,
0: this on, too. I don't – did the Chiefs ever adjust to what the Bucks were doing? Like, it felt like they just – the coaching staff never called anything different. They were just beating their heads against the wall, yeah, they waiting didn't for God's balls to blitz.
1: And they, they did try to move the pocket a little bit. Uh, they did throw some screens early, and and Levante David and Devin White were just all over the screen passes, and, and they just ate those up. They did run a lot of five man protections, though, which is what Kansas City does. They want to put five guys in the route. You know, they don't want to leave an extra guy in to block. So that's that's definitely their mo is to run five man protections. They did that a whole lot in the Super Bowl, and they really sort of they left those tackles out to dry. You know They really did. They had a backup right tackle. They had Mike Remmers, who was the backup right tackle already, moving over to the left side. So really, they were on their third or fourth layer of depth at the tackle position. A bunch of guys playing out of position, stuff like that. And they didn't do a whole ton, I would say, to help those guys out. And Patrick Mahomes dropping as far back as he did, did not help. And I the time to throw stuff, I think, is skewed a little bit because he's running around for his life. And that's why it took him so long to throw the football. But mainly... And, that, and I'm not saying the Patriots have always uh, been, you know, they, they've been susceptible at times to Brady being under pressure, too, and losing games like that, you know, 2015 AFC title game, you know, stuff like that. But getting the ball out and setting and dropping back to a comfortable place in the pocket and not always being that, that guy that drops back 10 steps every single time he he hikes the ball – that's definitely going to have to be an adjustment for Mahomes. So let's rank these Super Bowls because we're, we're going a little bit long on this yeah. Patrick Mahomes discussion.